It's a great time. It's a great week. You know, I really love and appreciate this week. Um, you know, we just get to celebrate Christmas, get to have time with our family, friends, you know, get to celebrate Jesus, the birth of Jesus Christ, all those things. Then we get a break, right? There's a week in between Christmas and New Year's where really we can, you know, begin to reflect about the prior year. We could think about 2022, all the things that went well, all the things that we need to improve on, and then even think about planning for the new year. And so this is a special time for me because typically, you know, I'm off and I had this week to really reflect on this past year. And of course, when we reflect, you know, we reflect on the things that went well. You know, I watch, you know, if you scroll Instagram, uh, Instagram allows people to kind of put all their pictures of the last year into one post. And so you can see lots of people posting about 2022 and what this past year was like in pictures. And so we get a chance to reflect on the past year. And when we reflect, there's lots of positive things that we can reflect on. We can always look back and see the glory and wonder of God and how he's uh, just blessed us in so many different ways. But we can also reflect on the things that we failed at, right? Things that didn't go so well in life, right? Things, whether it's your life or whether you're looking at someone else's life uh, and their situation and like, man, why did that marriage fail, right? All the challenges that we have in life. And as I reflect, I mean, I think about the number one thing in most cases, the number one thing that goes wrong with people in their lives, marriages fail, businesses fail, opportunities that are seeming to be, you know, great opportunities that don't pan through. I'm like, Lord, why is that the case? Why is that the case? What can I do in this new year, right? What can I do in this new year to eliminate all the past failures of 2022 and years behind be, be, behind me, I can begin to think about really one thing, like one common theme that people tend to mess up on that causes these failures. And that theme or that common thing is priorities, right? We tend to, even though humans, we, 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 you know, we tend to get things out of order, right? And when things are out of order, nothing else is right. Even though we know that God spoke to us, this is an opportunity that comes from God, um, uh, we know that this is something that God has called us to do, but at the same time, when things are not in order, there's problems, there's challenges. In James, James talks about uh, this idea of, you know, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So even thinking about putting things in order for 2023, if things are out of order in our lives, the devil has his place. There are evil practices that happen, amen? But guess what? Today is the first Sunday of a new year. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on all the things that went well, all the past challenges, but really say, hey, we're going to get it right this year. We're going to start this year off. You're already starting it off right because it's the first Sunday of a new year and you are right here with church, in church. So God bless you for that. Amen. And so we're going to stand up and, uh, and read God's word. We're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter six and really see what it means to prioritize and put things in order so that this year will be like, be unlike any other, right? It'll be a year where we start out with God, we continue with God, and then we end with God. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses uh, 25 through 34, a very familiar set of scriptures for most of us. And I will say this one thing, right? I can guarantee that for many of you that are here watching this sermon live right now, many of you that are watching online, 
that this will be the very best sermon, the very best exhortation, the very best encouragement, the most powerful sermon that you have ever heard in the year 2023. Amen. So let's read. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read this as if Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us. I'll start reading in verse 25, and then we'll pray. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry or be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of us, by worrying, add a single hour to our lives? And why do we worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. The people that don't know God, they desire these things, and that's the things that they seek. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry, be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, Father, we come and we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for this brand new year. We thank you that you can speak to us now, even today, during this sermon and, and during this service, Lord God. And it will prompt us and propel us for this entire year that we stay and remain connected to you, our source, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So we all know that God is important, right? We often know things that are important, but we put them out of order. But if we can get our priorities right, starting today with this first day of the new year, then we can begin to see God move in every area of our lives. There's so many things that want to capture our attention. You know, as we read in this passage, it says, do not, do not worry about your life. Do, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you're going to put on. He says that you are much more valuable, and we're going to explore this further, than any uh, bird of the air. He says, you know, the pagans run after all these material things, but if we seek God and we can begin to change our lives and organize our lives in such a way that we seek God first in everything, he says, all things will be added to us. So if you think about this, whether I'm, you know, leading a family, whether it's me as an individual, a, a single, you know, person in my household, whether it's me leading a church or a business, this applies across the board. One of the things that we get to do here at Greenhouse is we get to serve many people. You know, we get to share the gospel with so many different people. This summer, we had the opportunity to do some strategic planning, right? And our strategic planning that we did this summer, we said, hey, we know what our mission is. Our mission is to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We know what our, what our vision is. There's lots of things that we have on our website that you can take a look at, all the vision statements of things that we want to see, you know, right here in Greenhouse. Uh, but at the same time, we said, what are we going to do for the next 10 years? 
How are we going to accomplish this mission? We really need to sit down, come together, and begin to strategize all the things that we need to do to accomplish what God has called us to do. And so as we sat down and began our strategic planning, of course, you know, we think about, you know, we had our staff and some of our pastors from other campuses, and we got together and we said, okay, what has God called us to do? And then how do we internalize that and come up with a strategy so that we can see something big happen in our state? One of the things Pastor Mike has always said is that he wants to saturate the state of Florida with disciples, right? So if we're going to saturate the state of Florida with disciples, what do we need to do? So in our strategic planning, we said, hey, our, ob our objective, the big picture thing that we want to do over the next 10 years is to have micro churches in every single county in the state of Florida. Micro churches in every single county in the state of Florida. We've learned through example, through experience with what ha happened down in South Florida, with what happened in Tampa, that if we can begin to plant micro churches, that means we can plant disciples because the micro church is our discipleship engine, right? So a micro church is, of course, where we come together, maybe in a smaller group, we gather, we have times of accountability, times of community, times of seeking the Lord, times of worship, all those things, not in the big corporate gathering, the macro church, but in a smaller setting. Because when we plant micro churches, we're planting disciples, and so if we can plant disciples in every single county, the same things that happen in South Florida, the same things that happen in Tampa and now in Jacksonville can happen throughout this entire state. We plant disciples, we plant microchurches, microchurches contain these disciples, these microchurches multiply, these microchurches multiply to maybe a macro church, so a larger gathering like we see here. Uh, if we're able to do this, then as Andrea said, in all these micro, micro and macro churches, we're very generous. We're giving, you know, when we look back at the year for all of these different campuses, we want to look back at our, our financial statements and we want to see that, man, 50% or more of everything that we expended went away from Greenhouse to serve someone else. Whether that's local missions, whether that's uh, uh, international missions, we're sending and supporting people all, all over the world. And so that's a great opportunity that we feel like we can accomplish if we begin to plant disciples throughout the state of Florida, right? We said, you know, uh, thinking about various ways to strategize how to do this, we said we need to make sure that we're building, even as Lakeisha prayed, houses of prayer, Houses of prayer where we begin to bathe everything significant that we want to do in prayer. We have prayer teams even now that are praying for us in here, you know, in another room because they want to see God move in our service. So everything that we do of significance, we are going to spend time praying for. We want to invite people to prayer. We said we need to raise leaders as another strategy, right? So our strategy is, you know, thinking about building a house of prayer, uh, planning micro churches, raising leaders, thinking about how do we expand. Uh, another strategy is our macro church or our big Sunday service, our big large gatherings, where we wanna see the presence of God move. We wanna be able to share the gospel with as many people as we can. And we, get, we got so excited as we began to plan out and strategize for our year and for the next 10 years, you know, all the things that God could do through us as we put ourselves together and begin to focus you know, specifically on how we'd accomplish this for the next 10 years. But in doing that, you know, one of the first things, even, even, even as we, you know, sat there and, and, and even before we got started, we said, you know, there is one imperative. There's one thing that is of extreme importance, meaning if we 
we might want to plant micro churches in counties. We might want macro churches or, or, or church plants to go throughout this entire state. We might want to build a house of prayer to have great Sunday services, to have great leadership development and to expand and to support missions, all the things that we get to do as a church. But none of that will happen unless we get this one thing right first, this imperative, this thing that without this, nothing else happens. And we said, let's try to document that. Let's try to state what this imperative is for Greenhouse Church. We're going to put it on the screen. This imperative that's the foundation of everything that we do, both individually, me being an individual staff member at Greenhouse, as well as corporately, the way that we see our entire staff, our congregation, things that we want you guys to buy into. This imperative is that until I connect with God, everything else is a distraction. We can think about that corporately. Until we, as a church body, connect with God, Everything else is a distraction. So I want you to say that on the count of three. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Until I connect with God, everything else is a distraction. We read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all things will be added unto us. And so now we're saying, let's internalize that. Let's make that personal. I could even start it out with my girls at home. I can say, hey, Sophia, until I and they'll finish, connect with God, everything else is a distraction, right? We're internalizing that because now that's our mode of operation at home. And so what does that mean? Like if I really say that and I really take that, that mantra, uh, so to speak, on as, as part of you know, my life, that means that the way I do things will begin to be different, right? We know that there's power in, um, in, 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 in the things that we do first, right? Uh, there's, there's power in, in prioritizing, as I said before. And so two words that I want to give definitions for, very basic words, very easy to define, are first and everything. First and everything. So what does first mean? First. Early. Before anything else. All those things, right? So when we think about the word first, we're thinking about uh, priority, right? What's the most important? We do the most important things first. We're thinking about order. And when we think about first, there's so many things, there's so many firsts that take place every single day. You know, right now, we're in the first Sunday of the month that happens to be the first day of the year, right? There's the first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning. There's the, there's the what, the um, first thing that you do before a meeting, there's the first thing that you do when you buy a house and you move into your, to, to, into your new home. I, was, uh, I helped the Pats uh, family move into their new home maybe about a year or, or, or more than a year ago. And as we loaded up the old home with all the stuff and all the things, and we began to drive over to the new home and begin to unload, one of the first things that Pastor Mike said, he says, before, wait, before we start bringing in all the new stuff or all the stuff into the new home, what I want everybody to do, let's, let's gather in a room right? Because if we begin to think about these firsts that we have all the time and, 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 and thinking about using these firsts as a way to honor God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, that if the first fruit is holy or the first part of something is holy, then the rest is holy. If the first is uh, uh, declared righteous, then the rest is righteous, right? And so there's principles we can see throughout the Old Testament, whether it's the firstborn, the first fruit. God always honors the things that we put first and give to him. 
the firstborn son, right? There's always a way that God uses the first to honor. So if the first, first fruit is holy, then the lump or the rest of it is holy. And so now back to my story as we're now helping uh, uh, the Pat's family move into their new home. We start moving things in. We say, hey, no, 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 no. Before we move all the things into the home, let's gather in one of these rooms and let's get on our knees. You know, one of the things that's significant about this, I really remember, you know, this, uh, this event, you know, there was, uh, or this, this, uh, this setting here, you know, there's a lot of good prayers that went on, but when Pastor Mike said, hey, let's gather on our knees, we actually were gathering on our knees on the hardwood floors. And so I remember just sitting down there like, oh, oh wow, like my, I'm getting older, you know, I feel this in my legs, so let's hurry up with these prayers, right? But at the same time, <laughs> you know, people were praying just great prayers over this home and just speaking words over this home, how you can use this home to, to disciple others and to be a blessing to others. And then now over a year later, I see that, you know, every time I get an opportunity to come over to their house, there's always other people there that are, you know, of course, having a good time and things like that, but praying and prayer teams meet there. And so anytime that we want to, to allow God to move in our lives, we can think about, man, how can I give him the very first and best? Because if I can give him the first and the best, God promises to use and bless the rest, right? And so we, again, going back to our scripture, our foundational text for today, seek first the kingdom of God and all things, every other thing will be added to you. So when we think about first, we're thinking about priority, we're thinking about order, we're thinking about importance. And so how do I define the word everything? What does the word everything mean? All. It means everything. You know, this is one that's easy. I see some teachers in here laughing at me. Hey, you don't define a word with the word, but for this one, we can, right? Everything is everything, right? So if we say, until I connect with God, everything is a distraction, that's what we're talking about, everything. So even though my beautiful wife who prays, prays so wonderfully, um, you know, she's just beautiful. Look at the, the fuchsia jacket she has on and the really nice hat and she's so cool and so hip and so beautiful and all those things. She's just great. But Lakeisha is a distraction to me as part of everything else. Why? Because we say until I connect with God, everything else is a distraction. So I can apply this even as I wake up in the morning, like when I wake up in the morning, yes, good morning, Lakeisha, good morning, Byron. She goes into her room, I go into my room, and we begin to seek God. Because until I seek or connect with God, even my beautiful wife, children, everything else is a distraction to me. Now, I know there are some of us, I was talking uh, to, to Tim in the, in the hallway, he has an infant, you know, so maybe a five to six month old. And it's really hard to say, oh, wait, my infant, you know, and before I connect with, before I feed you, I need to go and spend an hour with God, right? So I'm not necessarily saying that, but the first time we have an opportunity to do the free things that we want to do, you got to take care of your infant, you got to take care of the things that you have to take care of at home. But the first time I am, I am given an opportunity, I am going to use that opportunity to connect with God. Until I connect with God, everything else is a distraction. So when we define first, we're defining order, priority, importance. As we bless the first, God blesses the rest. I can use that as a principle from here on out, right? Everything is everything. I connect with God before I connect with my children, before I connect with anything else, my jobs, my careers, my aspirations. Everything in life is secondary to me connecting with God. And again, when we look at those two statements, seek first the kingdom of God everything else will be added to us. You know, so if I want a great relationship with my wife, it's not just me 
just again, it's, it's, it's okay for me to put her second because if I seek him first, he says, yes, the great relationship with your wife will be added to you. If I want a great relationship with my kids, again, I don't wake up and try to tend to them and put them above uh, her or anything else, but I seek God first because now this is something that I desire that will be added to me. Amen. And so my first and really my primary point, I'm not going to be up here before you long. My first and primary point in all of this is that the most precious thing that we can give to God, I would say, I would ask you what, but I'll probably get so many different answers. But in this sermon today, what I'm saying is the most precious thing that we can give to God is our attention, right? Our attention. If we think about that word attention and think about where we are in society, right? This is what people have called the attention economy, the attention economy, meaning there are companies like Google that make billions upon billions upon billions of dollars all for your attention, algorithms that are being written. So, you know, when you're scrolling on Instagram or scrolling Google News, you know, that one article that comes up is very interesting. You click on that one article and what does it tell the algorithm? Oh, this is what she likes. You look at this one image or you, you interact with this one image or this one video, whatever it is, whether it's TikTok or uh, any of the other social media uh, tools that we use, it just seems like they just tend to get it right. They know exactly what I like, right? And I can sit here all day and scroll social media, look at the news uh, on Google, uh, look at Instagram and Facebook because it's just so fulfilling that they're getting all the things that I really like and value. And not that everything is bad. I mean, it could be articles about, you know, preaching sermons. It could be articles about, you know, uh, the, the Bible and things like that. But the idea here is that we are in the attention economy. Like my eyeballs and my clicks are actual treasure these days because that's how Google makes its money. It gives us lots of things free and nothing's necessarily wrong with Google. They're a company and they're trying to enterprise and make money, but they give us lots of things that are free, you know, Gmail and photos and all that so that they can have our attention. And so if we think about that, you know, the world wants our attention so very badly that they've even put a price tag on every eyeball and every click that they can give. Jesus tells us that where my treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what I'm saying to you today is that that's the number one thing that God also wants. He wants our attention. He wants our eyeballs. He wants our focus. He wants our time where we commit ourselves totally and completely to him. Whether that's five minutes, whether that's 10 minutes, whether that's an hour, you know, no matter what that is, God wants our attention. Because if we can give us, if, we can, if he can give us, if we can give him our attention, he promises to speak. He promises to give us revelation and to give us awareness and things like that. So let's take a look at our next scripture. We're going to look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 1. And we'll put it on the screen for you. It says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he, as in God, will say to me and what I will answer, what I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Verse 3 says, for the revelation awaits for an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. For though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and it will not delay. So this, this scripture here is really 
encapsulating all that I just said, like the very relationship that we need to have with God. First, if we had a little context in terms of this book of Habakkuk, if we read chapter one, chapter one starts out where even the, the, the heading in my Bible is talking about Habakkuk's complaint, right? Habakkuk is asking the question, Lord, you know, how, uh, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But, do you, but you do not listen. Or how long must I cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? So this is Habakkuk asking God all these questions because he sees the people of Israel. He sees the state that he is in, that there is chaos, that there's violence, that there's troubles and all of that. And Habakkuk is complaining to God. And so again, what happens? You know, so God responds. Habakkuk complains. He asks questions. God responds. Then we pick it up here again in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I know there's lots of violence being taken that's, that's going out in the world. There's lots of bad things that are happening in the world. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a defensive position because he says, I'm going to stand at my watch, right? I'm going to station myself on the ramparts. Well, what's a rampart? I don't know. <laughs> what's a rampart? Well, if you think about, you know, uh, someone that's uh, guarding a castle, for example, you see the, the areas in the castle that, you know, you can stand and you might have guards in the rampart so that if the enemy attacks, right, they can ring the bell, they can sound the alarm. So Habakkuk is saying, there's going to be set times, right, that I'm going to stand in a place where I can look and see what God will say to me. I'm going to look, I'm going to sit, I'm going to take time out of my day. I need to be in a defensive position because we know the adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. So I need to be in a, a position where I can sit and look and see what God will say and what he will answer to my complaint. And so I, I want to let you know that it's okay to complain. It's okay to complain to God, right? It's okay to ask God questions, Lord, why didn't this happen for me? When I do my reflection of 2022, I can say, Lord, you said, hey, this would happen. And if I do this, you know, that would happen. Uh, but Lord, it didn't happen like I wanted to do it, like, like I wanted it to happen. You know, and, and, and God can answer you. He can say, hey, you need to get some things right. You need to prioritize. But, but what he will say is that I want you to take a notebook, notebook out. I want you to write down this revelation that I'm going to give you. I want you to make it plain so that a herald may run with this information, this revelation that I'm going to give you. Now, if that's for somebody that's leading the church, leading a church, maybe that vision or that revelation is for the entire congregation. Maybe it's for the staff. If that's for someone that's, you know, leading a business, maybe that's for your employees. But what I'm saying is that we have to have set times in our lives where we turn away from every other thing and sit and listen and give our full attention to God. But often, that's a time where it's just me and God. He's speaking to me about myself, and I am going to be the herald that's going to run with that revelation that he gives me and execute what he's called me to do. Amen? He says the pagans, as we read in Matthew 6, they run after the things of the world. What am I going to drink? What am I going to eat? What clothes am I going to put on? But our instruction here is to sit, listen to God, and allow him to speak to us so that we can run with what he has called us to do, right? Let's continue. We become who we give our attention to. In 2 Corinthians 13, 3 and 18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
that we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So as we behold the beauty of Jesus, we get to be transformed into who he is. And so we have to take time and expect God to speak to us. What attention does is that if it's the most precious thing that we can give to God and we take every first that we have, whether it's the first of the year where we are right now, it's the first right before I'm about to have, the first thing that I do before I have a meeting, for example, is I'm going to pray about that meeting. The first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray about my day. Uh, So whatever context that we can give God, you know, so if the context or the first is the year, I'm going to pray and give God the first of my year. If it's the first of the month, I'm going to pray and give God the first of the month. If it's before I have a meeting, the first thing that I'm going to do before a meeting, I'm going to pray and give God this meeting so that he can speak to me. Because what our attention does is that when we give God our attention, he says that it's going to lead to us to be aware of him wherever we're going right? The biggest thing that our attention does when we take time and sit before him and give him our attention, it leads to his, to our awareness of who he is, how good he is, how big he is, how he never leaves us nor forsakes or abandons us. Whether it's good times or bad times, we know that God is there with us, right? Even in times of temptation or sin, you know, if I am scrolling Instagram or I'm scrolling and looking at some things or I'm listening to some music that I probably shouldn't be listening to, if I know that Jesus is right there with me, ooh, I don't want Jesus here with me listening to this music or looking at these posts on Instagram, you know, because our attention as we give it to him, it leads to our awareness of who he is. Some good examples of this. You know, uh, Samara, Samara Godchalk is one of my direct reports here at the church. Of course, every time we pray, we, we're in an environment where we can pray open, you know, and freely. So we have our meetings and we'll pray and say, Lord, you know, give us wisdom about, you know, our kids department and, 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 and all the things that we want to do for our kids. And, and there are times where we actually have a meeting and it's just the most amazing thing. The presence of God, literally, in our meeting where we're talking about normal, normal things, the normal operations of this church and our kids department, how it just begins to expand. And God's, God begins to speak about all the wonderful things that he wants to do with our kids here at Greenhouse. One, of the, one day we were sitting and talking and we were, um, she was telling me about curriculum that she wants to develop for the kids. And, 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 and one thing that I said is that, you know what, we need to create like a portrait of a disciple, of a kid's disciple. Like, let's really sit and write down all the things that if we had a kid, if you have a, a newborn and they go from being in sprouts, you know, age zero, all the way through elementary, and they graduate from the kids department, what should that individual look like? And we began to write down and brainstorm all the things that we felt like God was speaking to us about uh, the portrait of a graduate. Well, we want this kid to get baptized, or at the very least have a desire to be baptized. There's certain topics and certain things that we want to be able to teach these kids. They should be able to explain and share the gospel using the three-circle principle that, you know, we use to share the gospel. Um, let's, maybe we need to do family services, right, where we invite kids into the big auditorium. And I know for some parents in here, that can be challenging. But one of the things that we talked about, the reason why we want to do that is because when the kids graduate, at some point, 
they will have to come in here and just learn how to sit and listen without doing crafts and without, without all the special attention that they get in the kids department. And so now even having these family services where Pastor Mike can speak to the kids, you know, and, and have, you know, various um, activities directed at them, but they're sitting and listening like an adult, that's preparing them for the next level. And so we have an opportunity to pray and really receive from God curriculum and instruction and ways that we're going to raise our kids and treat our kids in this department so that he can use them and make disciples even at such a young age. I remember a time where Lakeisha and I, we had, you know, we were uh, faculty at the Mississippi State and, um, you know, everything was going well. Um, but, you know, I just remember praying and there was a time where, you know, God literally spoke to us and said, hey, we're going to go through a financially challenging time in this next season. And okay, we felt like we heard that. And, um, you know, so now what should be our response, you know, to, to God speaking to us as we give our attention to him and him telling us that we're going to go through this financially challenging time. You know, our, our salary didn't change. You know, the economics didn't change. But at the same time, things just began to happen that normally don't happen, you know, or, or normal things that happen, but just so frequently during this time that it put a big strain on us financially. We had, we owned a, a property, some, some rental property in Jackson. We owned our, our old house. We, we leased it out. We had a, an apartment over our garage and our current house that we leased out. And things were just going wrong left and right, front and back, just, you know, issues with our tenants not paying the rent. And so if they're not paying the rent, then that mortgage payment is, you know, we're responsible for to cover that mortgage or that lease payment. Um, uh, tires needing to be replaced, maybe medical bills starting to come up. All these things that began to happen again and again and again. And, you know, we could be in that time saying, Lord, praying so that we come out of this situation. But my point is, is that God prepared us to walk through it, right? And so he prepared us to walk through it, even though this was one of the most challenging, I don't even know how long it lasts, maybe six to nine or three to six months. It was the most challenging three to six months in our marriage financially because all these external things began to happen. We still had the most peace of any time in our lives, Right, Because God prepared us, because we had the habit of watching, sitting, listening, allowing God to speak. And as he spoke, of course, we were able to walk through this challenging financial situation. And so God wants our attention. He says, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to worry. I want you to devote time to me. Now, some of us might say, okay, yep, it's the new year. I'm going to now begin to devote myself to God to make sure that I seek him first. Or we might say something like, you know what? I'm still in school. I have homework. I have tests. I have exams. As soon as I graduate, I'll be able to devote myself to God and begin to seek him first in everything. Some of us might be working multiple jobs and, you know, trying to pay off certain bills. And we say, hey, as soon as I can get these bills paid, I'm going to devote myself to God and start seeking him first in everything. You know, there's various circumstances that we could currently be in in our lives and thinking that if this circumstance changes, now I'll have time to seek him. But that's not the case. You know, that's not going to happen. Why? Because even though the circumstance changed, we are still the same. I thought that when I first started working here at Greenhouse about, you know, 18 or so months ago, that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work at a church who prioritizes, that prioritizes God-seeking. My very first uh, day here at Greenhouse as a, as a Greenhouse staff member, there was uh, what we call silence and solitude. 
right? So silence and solitude is a time where we start the first four hours of our day. It's once a month, every single month. We, we give our employees, our staff, four hours to seek God, and that's it. We say, hey, don't do any work, don't do anything, you know, uh, put all your work to the side, you know, try to finish everything you need to finish up the day before or the day after. But this is a time where we're just going to devote as a staff to seeking God. And I'm like, yes, I get to come to a place that really pays and encourages me to spend time with God. Prior to that, we all know that I was at UF, or many of us know that I was at UF. I was a faculty member. I was doing all the things that faculty members do, teaching research service, you know, wanting to be excellent in everything that I did, of course, and, and to be exceptional. But at the same time, if I had to rate my God-seeking time, you know, if I had to put a number on it, you know, that number might have been a 50 out of 100 or a 60 out of 100. But I say, as soon as I get to work at this church where the priority for all of our staff is God-seeking, we encourage all of our staff to spend at least one hour of your day with God, all pastors to spend two hours. Uh, we have Tuesdays where we have, you know, corporate prayer in the mornings and, you know, corporate prayer in the afternoons. We fast on Tuesdays, all these things. I thought that immediately my situation would change. But what happened? Of course, it didn't. Why? Because I didn't change. All of the same priorities that I had before working at UF, I brought into this situation or this, uh, this uh, particular job. And so even though I thought something would be miraculously happen, it wasn't until I changed, until I began to, in my own calendar, set out times to seek him and look for first in my life and make sure that every first that I had, it was an opportunity for me to de de devote and commit that first to him that my life really started to change, right? And so as, as, as I close, as I wrap this, this time up, you know, we know that we need to seek God. We know that our imperative as a church, as a big church, but then our, also our imperative as individuals should be that until I connect with God, everything else in life is a, is a distraction. That if I can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added to me. So every first that I have, Starting now with the first of the year, I'm going to seek God. Every first that I have, starting with the first of my day, I'm going to commit time to seeking God. The first of the month, you know, the first thing that I do before a meeting, the first thing that I do before I move into a new home, no matter what the first is, I'm going to take this principle of the first fruits and I'm going to let that guide me throughout this entire year. I'm going to make sure the first fruit is holy, that the lump will be holy, uh, then the lump will be holy and God will be able to bless everything else. Final scripture is uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read starting at verse 4. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also. So, of course, right now we're talking about Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone, this living stone, Jesus, was rejected by God, uh, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, uh, that Jesus was precious to him. Verse 5 says that you also are like living stones. You or us, the church, we're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Our job is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, Right? If we skip down to verse 9, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, verse 10, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God says that we are precious to him, that we are more valuable, as it said in Matthew 6, than the, the birds of the air, right? And that we get to seek him. We get to serve him. We get through the person of Jesus Christ to connect with God. And so my encouragement to you is that in this first, the first of the year, you know, one thing that we're about to do is we're about to have 21 days of consecration. This is gonna be a great opportunity for us to say, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of this first 21, I wanna commit the first 21 days of this year so that the rest of 2023 can be the best and most productive, most prosperous, most glorious year that I've ever had, amen? And so that's my encouragement to you is that we give our attention to God and we make sure that we put first things first in the new year.